don't want to just be skinny. I want to feel strong. Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want people to focus on what they want to look like or what they want to be. Like, how do you want to feel? Right. Because if you're super skinny and you're in a caloric deficit, you probably don't feel that good. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. In this episode of How Do You Feel?, I'm speaking with Katherine McQuaid. She is a former coworker and now friend of mine, someone that I just always feel like I have the best conversations with because we connect on so many different levels and our views really align on lots of things. In Katherine's words, she likes to wear many different hats. She is currently working full-time as a nurse. She's also an intuitive nutritionist and a coach at Fuel Training Club. Originally, Catherine got a physical education degree from Queens and then went on to get her nursing degree from U of T. And then she went back to school again for nutrition and also has her level one CrossFit coaching certification. In this episode, we talk about lots of great stuff, mostly relating to nutrition. So we touch a little bit on digestion and we talk about what is this idea of intuitive nutrition and how can you learn to eat intuitively. We talk about nutrition and how it relates to training. We talk about protein intake, your daily protein intake. We talk about how you can take more ownership over your nutrition, and we give you some really tangible steps for how to start doing that if it's something that you're trying to improve on in your own life. We also talk about undereating, and I get into a little bit about my past with undereating. And then finally, we talked a little bit on the ever popular ketogenic diet, and Catherine gives us her two cents on that. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. You are about to hear a bunch of really useful nutrition information over the next 50 minutes. I was like looking for a big change and I'd always heard about this thing called CrossFit and I always had a passion for health and fitness. One day Googled a CrossFit gym, I picked the closest one to my house and then that was really a catalyst for this industry that I knew I had always wanted to work in, but had kind of just like tiptoed around because it wasn't like a real job. I'm like doing little quotation marks <laughs> as we sit here. It was transformational. I had never, I had always had this idea that I wanted to be really fit and really healthy, but hadn't been able to achieve that on my own. I would say attribute more of the success to a fitness community. So I joined a community of knowledgeable trainers of like a really inspiring group of young adults um, and then I had this like guidance in nutrition from there it was like a short time after I became certified to become a CrossFit instructor and then I also went back to school I did a year-long program to become a nutritionist and then actually I guess sometime in the last year actually I also had a business with a business partner her name's Corinne <laughs> minor details I know I, I also, also started that was an afterthought. also started a nutrition <laughs> business called intuition nutrition which no longer exists but Corinne and I had like a three-year run where we did workshops and we started doing kombucha workshops. Um, so we had a really great run there too uh, for a few years where we did group and individual nutrition coaching. I have no regrets. I think sometimes I, I feel like I wear too many hats. Like you only have so many buckets that you can put like your energy and time into. And I think over the years I've at times definitely spread myself a little thin but in a sense too I have learned so much about myself and so much about health and fitness and nutrition I'm still learning every single day nutrition lights me up <laughs> for sure this I've seen firsthand yeah this is like I guess vague but working with people in real life really lights me up it could be at fuel where I take a video of someone and we make a a slight correction to their form and like boom they feel their glutes and you're like ha ha amazing <laughs> or it could be at the hospital when you're speaking with a family member trying to help them you know comprehend a situation that's happening in the past I guess when I've been doing nutrition coaching like having people walk away from that experience 
with this entirely new perspective on food and their relationship with food, that also really brings me a lot of joy because I have been where they are. I have at some point in my life been where all of these people are, whether it's with a sick family member and a consoling healthcare practitioner, whether it's in the gym with someone helping you with your form and you having those moments of like realization, or whether it's changing your diet so that you can feel better and really thrive. It reminds me of your uh, Insta bio. What does it say? When you get, give. When you learn, teach. I got that from Oprah. That like really, really resonated with me. That's the connecting factor in yeah. all of these things that you do. Yeah, I love to teach. I've seen that in action. Recently you did, you ran one of your kombucha workshops. It inspired me to start brewing, um, which I'm still doing, yes. which is so fun. Amazing. It's such a little fun side project. What's your favorite flavor that you've made? I think the best one still is blueberry mint. The oh, mint is just yeah. so refreshing. Did I tell you I made, really I made good. a cucumber mint too before? Yes, cucumber and I still need to try that. It's nice. Yes. Really nice. Can you tell us a little bit about benefits of kombucha? Kombucha is full of probiotics, which we all know are good for your gut. You have uh, bacteria in your gut already, so taking probiotics just kind of help, helps to like top up your gut flora. Your gut is like your second brain. It's where a lot of your immune system comes from. So when you take care of it, the rest of your body feels a lot better. So kombucha is great for digestion. It has a lot of really nice organic acids in it, which help you break down food, helps to stimulate gastric juices when you're um, eating. So anyone with like indigestion can benefit from drinking kombucha. And then depending on what you flavor it with too, it can have like a really sort of therapeutic or medicinal effect. So if you're adding ginger um, or turmeric, you know, those are really popular herbs. And you drink it regularly? I do. I always have like a continuous brew and I'm on like a plain kombucha bandwagon right now. Oh really? That's kind of hardcore. Haven't been flavoring them. <laughs> I don't know if it's hardcore or if it's laziness. Laziness, yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of bottles that I fully meant to flavor and, and it like, just never uh, happens. I have to like go buy ginger right now because I always use fresh, fresh organic ginger to flavor them. Or I'm like, or I'll just drink this plain. Or I'll just drink it right now, yeah. <laughs> What's but the best time of day to drink it? I'd say like sometimes before meals is great if you're using it as kind of a, a digestive stimulant. Right first thing in the morning is really good as well to kind of like ramp up digestion for the rest of the day. Be careful, it's a little bit caffeinated if you're using black tea, so I would say maybe not before bed or later in the day if you're sensitive to caffeine. Or even if you're not sensitive to caffeine, caffeine is still a chemical component that has a, an effect in your body. Yeah, so, that's a good point. I yeah. think a lot of people say, They're like, oh, caffeine doesn't affect me. I can have a coffee at 8 p.m. and I go right to sleep. Yeah, but well, do you great. know the quality of your sleep after yeah. you've consumed caffeine that late? Exactly. Like, it's probably not the same, even if you consciously don't understand yeah. the effect. I think there's like tons feel of the effect. people that have a super high tolerance for caffeine. Yeah, as a rule, no caffeine after like 2 to 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to chat about um, this concept of intuitive eating. Do you call yourself an intuitive nutritionist. But what is the concept of intuitive eating? So intuitive eating encompasses a holistic pattern of eating, but maybe a little step deeper than that is it takes into consideration where you are at that current time in your life. And it also takes into consideration, you know, the best way that your diet can serve you again at that time. And then it also puts an emphasis on learning more about how different foods affect your body. So intuitive nutrition, I say, would be a little bit deeper and a little bit more individual than holistic. Very individualized and also very specific to the scenario that you're in yeah. and that given moment. Yeah. How do you start to help people understand that concept for themselves? First, I think they have to understand the concept of intuition, having this like inner awareness of the workings of your body and the workings of your mind. So step one is kind of buying into this like deeper level of understanding, uh, which some people are like, no, whatever, calories in, calories out. <laughs> but like, it doesn't work that way. If you feel stressed about the way that you eat, but you're still eating a healthy diet, it could not be serving you. Or That's if you feel amazing about your food selections, if you're like, you know, maybe you're buying like all pre-made meals, but they're mostly vegetables, maybe they're not organic, 
Um, but like you feel like you're doing a really good job, then that diet's probably serving you more than the person that's like has the organic vegetables and they're stressing out about meal prepping and like they're freaking out about not like timing their meals well. That stress associated with that amazing diet could potentially deter you from reaping the benefits of eating that way. And it's challenging to coach someone through that because you do want to help them establish good Mm -hmm. habits but if it's causing too much of that anxiety and stress around food i think it's a great point that it's probably not working in their favor at all yeah can you address how you feel about social situations and how you approach them or would coach someone to approach them you're getting together with friends and there are going to be things that are either being made or snacked on or are available or maybe you're drinking that Mm -hmm. wouldn't be again, air quotes, like optimal nutritionally, Mm -hmm. how do you approach those situations? If I have a nutrition client, I often will try to get them into like an empowered mindset. If they're working on navigating social situations, I'll give them guidelines of like better choices to make at a restaurant, you know, go for like grilled proteins, vegetables, salads, Um, you know, ask a couple questions, like what are the dressings made of? If there's like a puree like what is in that um so ask like asking questions so empowering them with questions that they can ask we have these brains that tell us when things are in front of us that like if you see a plate of cookies like maybe this will be the last time you'll ever eat so like your brain wants to eat all the cookies (laughs) but i'll i'll get people to like say to themselves you know of course i would enjoy a cookie or like of course i would enjoy another glass of wine but that's not helping me reach my goals right now and there will be more cookies, and mm-hmm. there will be another glass of wine another time. That doesn't help me meet my goals right now. Right now, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna eat a cookie again. No. But if it doesn't serve you right now, mm-hmm. and you do have goals, that's a great little mantra. There's some people that can like moderate their food behavior, like they could have half a cookie, or they could have a bite of cake, and like that would be enough to keep them satisfied. But there's some people that need to completely abstain because if they have one bite or they have half a cookie, they're having like three. Yeah. Which which category do you fall into? I have to abstain. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Eric is the opposite. No. He could open a bag of chips, take out one chip and oh, eat it and say, that was cool. I know that those people exist, but I am, I am not one of those people. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Or I like put myself in a mindset where I'm like, I'm going to choose to eat pasta and have a cookie. And because I have chosen that, I am still like meeting my goals. So it's also about like empowering yourself in your choices. For sure. It's a mindful decision at that point. Yes. I've been all about the the mindful eating. Yeah, mindful eating is is hard, but um, it's like anything. If you practice, it gets easier. Putting yourself in the situation that allows you to mindfully eat Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference turn off your devices actually look at your food Mm -hmm. automatically you're going to be way more mindful i'm so bad that i have to put my phone in the other room yeah one of the first things i ever learned in nutrition was that digestion begins in the brain Mm. with this cascade of hormonal response when you see food and then when you smell food and then when you put it in your mouth I feel that many people have digestive issues and maybe aren't even fully aware that they do. What does it feel like to digest things properly? What does that process look like? How do you know if your digestion is good? How do you know if it needs some work? It looks like healthy bowel movements, mm-hmm. daily bowel movements. You shouldn't go to the bathroom every like four days. It should be every day. <laughs> shouldn't be like rock hard. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be constipated. Shouldn't be watery. So maybe that's not where you thought this was going. But oh, digestion hey, looks like healthy bowel movements. That's the output. Yeah, so that's, that's like an easy way yeah, to Yeah, what goes in must come out. Yeah. From the top end, um, like proper digestion would mean that you don't have bloating. Um, you don't have burping after meals. That's a super interesting one. No. I realized the client that I'd had for yeah. over a year. Yeah. So she normally came to her workouts fasted. Yep. One day she'd had a big brunch and then came to training and mm. she was burping her whole way through training. And I was, I asked her, mm-hmm. I said, is this normal? And she was like, oh yeah, always after I eat. Yeah. I was like, okay. People don't even realize that's abnormal. Red yeah. Red flag. I sent her yeah. straight to you because yeah. 
Yeah, it was interesting, and she just said, oh, I had never even thought about it before. Yeah. So that, that was a super interesting symptom to kind of address with her. Uh, people are so far removed, often, from what they put in their body and the way that it makes them feel. Seven out of ten clients that I see have some kind of digestive insufficiency, especially for women. Often it's burping or bloating that they think is normal. They're just like, oh, I eat a meal, and then I... Then my pants are a little bit tighter afterwards. Actually not normal. Yeah, yeah actually so, not normal. So you would classify any bloating that you feel after eating food as something abnormal going on? Yeah, to some degree, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel like after a meal, like you, your pants need to, your, your top button needs to be undone. That's either you overeating, which right, which is, is just another issue. quantity, but yeah. different, yeah. <laughs> um, or that's indigestion. Like that's your stomach producing excess gases and then literally taking up more space than it should. If you're eating properly, if you're chewing your food for as long as you should, it shouldn't feel uncomfortable after you eat. You shouldn't be shouldn't, shouldn't be bloated. Or burping. <laughs> yeah. Burping is when like the bloating gets bad. That's when all of that, that gas is now pressing on your lower esophageal sphincter and it's it's escaping through your mouth. It actually has to come out. Yeah, because yeah. every food has a, a natural degenerative process. So okay. proteins break down. If, if they're going bad, they putrefy. Fats go rancid and then carbohydrates will ferment. And a byproduct of all of those breakdowns is, uh, is gas. So if you're not digesting food properly, if it's sitting around in your stomach too long, those extra gases are now being formed and trapped inside your stomach. And if there's too much of them, the only way out is up. Essentially, it's food go, starting to go bad in your stomach. Yes. I'm just sitting there. That's lovely. It is, it is food <laughs> going bad in, inside of your stomach. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And same with that um, full feeling that sometimes you get in your throat, right? When you feel, yeah, when you feel like maybe you haven't swallowed everything properly or something, like it's just stuck up in your throat. It's the worst feeling in the whole world. But that is Mm -hmm. also indigestion. Yeah. (laughs) If someone is experiencing symptoms of indigestion, Mm -hmm. what are your like two or three top tips? First thing I'll always tell people to do to like sit down and chew your food chew it enough to like know what it tastes like yeah so first thing i'll always do is like attack lifestyle like what is the manner in which you're eating are you on the subway are you on the ttc are you driving in your car are you eating standing up at your desk or like on the way out the door because that's like the number one way to inhibit digestion digestion if you know anything about the autonomic nervous system you have parasympathetic and sympathetic sympathetic is like the stimulation wakefulness energy and then parasympathetic is like your rest and digestion and repair Um, so when you're eating food that is the state that you need to be in and if you're not in that state you are making it very hard for your body to break down food and very difficult for your body to actually access those nutrients you know take a 10 minute break from your desk don't be looking at your laptop it's interesting because it's not the most glamorous advice. I don't know no. about the response you get from people. I imagine they're more excited about the prospect of just give me a supplement that will fix yeah. it, right? But yeah. but it is so important and we it's, it's mm-hmm. just the most underrated yeah. advice. Everyone is so sympathetic dominant these days. Everybody's like always on, we're always stimulated, we're looking at phones, we live in Toronto, it's a big city, like... There's always things happening that require your attention. So that's mm-hmm. so, so sympathetic. Okay, so the lifestyle stuff. Anything else? Um, step two would be to pay a little bit more attention to your bowel movements and your like digestive symptoms. What's actually happening? Do you know what's actually happening? Like, let's take a week here to like only think about that. How many people can't tell you how often they have a bowel movement uh, like, when they come to you? Like 95% of people. How crazy is that? Okay, unless they're on the spectrum where they like go once a week, then usually those people know. And then after that, you know, maybe like step three would be using foods as a tool first to improve digestion. So using like probiotic rich foods, like adding in fermented foods, maybe adding in kombucha. Uh, and then after that, it would, we would move right to supplementation, which would be hydrochloric acid or, or different types of digestive enzymes, depending on, on the person. Your intestine is very sensitive. Uh, so if you're not breaking down or chewing your food properly and then foods get to your 
intestine too big it's like imagine like scratching your skin with your fingernails like that doesn't feel good that could be happening on the inside of your body you could have foods that are literally scraping the surface of your intestine i used to give like people who are like in denial of having dairy sensitivities they'd be like oh i can have a little bit but then you know they have all these other issues like skin and bloating and eczema which are, are highly linked to dairy um, intolerance and so I'll say to them, like, if you eat dairy every day, it's like if you took your fingernail and you scratched the back of your hand once, it leaves like a little bit of a red mark. But then if you did it again immediately afterwards, it would stay a little bit longer. And then do that like a hundred more times, eventually that skin's going to break. It doesn't take much, mm-hmm. but it just takes a little bit often to cause inflammation. That's an amazing analogy. So if you know that you have food sensitivities and you continually and often put small amounts thinking that that makes it better, you might be wrong. Yeah, it's a low stimulus at a high frequency. Each time you may not notice because it is such a low stimulus, but add those things up. It has a cumulative effect. Yeah. Like I am intolerant to dairy and I'll still try to eat like hard cheeses and then I sometimes eat like more fermented dairy products. But like I can't drink milk. What is it about cheese that is that's more tolerable for you than milk? Um, so it's the lactose, the dairy sugar, or like the dairy protein, which um, most people are sensitive to. For fermented dairy products, so like kefir or yogurt to some extent, there's a fermentation of the lactose happening. So if you've ever had like plain kefir, it almost is a little bit sour. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that lactose is being broken down by the live bacteria into lactic acid, which is healthy actually it's for like your- pre-digesting it for you. Yeah, it's pre-digesting it for you. And then any kind of like hard or aged cheese will also be really low in lactose, partially because of the fermentation, um, but also because of the aging. We actually, I asked a couple of uh, listeners for questions. And oh. one of the questions, so how bad for you is cheese really? Oh. That's what she wanted <laughs> yeah. to know. <laughs> It's probably pretty individualized. It is pretty individual. But I would argue, like, if anyone has any particularly skin issues that you're not sure why they happen, dairy is, like, a pretty good culprit. What would you suggest to those people that they try eliminating dairy from their diet for a period of time? For sure, yeah. How long? At least 30 days. Wow. Hey, if it clears up, there's your answer. Yeah. I mean, also, too, sometimes it might not clear up because... When you think about the amount of time in your life that you've been eating foods that don't serve your body the best, and then 30 days is like nothing. It yeah. often takes longer than that, but people don't want to hear that. They don't want to be like, I, don't, <laughs> I can't eat cheese for a year. Yeah, you got to give your body the proper break if yeah. you really want to know. Healing your body is a long process. How, how do you feel about like food sensitivity or food intolerance tests? I mean, some of the higher level ones will test... Um, like your immunoglobulins in your blood. I think those are the better ones. And generally you'll get those by going to your naturopath um, and doing blood testing. For is that food a live scent. blood cell test? It's not is that different. Blood oh. cell is different, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of different ways you can like collect cells from your body and gain information because your body is literally made of what you eat. Like your body's made of carbohydrates, fats, proteins, vitamins, and minerals. And your diet is made of carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and minerals, <sighs> and vitamins. So same thing, same, same. You can get a lot of data. It's always better to know more. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe not always, but it's usually good to know more. <laughs> okay. I want to talk a little bit about uh, nutrition and training okay. and how it relates. First of all, what is your current training routine? Right now I'm doing the fuel classes, which is like way more metabolic conditioning than I've done in a long time. <laughs> so it makes me feel a little bit out of shape. That's my current training regimen, but then my husband, Brendan, who is also a strength coach, has made me a two day a week strength program following what he studies, which is strong fit. And that's really focusing and like dialing in on my like incompetencies. So I have a lot of issues with my right hip and my glutes. I like measuring improvement, which is like contrary to what I used to do in CrossFit. CrossFit was different all the time. I like seeing sort of some progress and feeling some more mastery. So just those two days a week, I'm going to do it for at least four weeks, maybe six. You'll know when you get to four weeks if it's time to move on or if you need to stick with it, probably. Exactly. I usually feel that way because we normally run four-week programs as well. Yeah. Very often, whether it was because I had one week that... 
I didn't get all four full workouts in because mm-hmm. I didn't have time or if mm-hmm. I you know didn't feel good on one of the training days I very often uh, will extend it to a fifth week yeah because I just feel like I need it to finish it out strong yeah. so I think that's I think it's good to have that flexibility in your programming to have a program that you're following for sure but to allow for flexibility because life happens while you're running a program exactly how does nutrition fit into training how do you use it to to optimize what you're doing in the gym over the years i have evolved i used to kind of be of like the camp of you know counting macros and i would really pay attention to the timing of my meal meals i would you know make sure that i got my protein powder right after my workout with a banana you know on training days i would eat low fat and then on non-training days i might eat a little bit more fat you know and then i've done like the the paleo type of eating uh, which is like no grains no dairy just really focusing on like those caveman foods but now being a little bit more intuitive i don't stress so much about those things you know does my body know the difference between whether i have a meal an hour after my workout or three hours after my workout probably not i go more based on like am i hungry exercise is a stress on the body and when you put stress on the body you have to fuel in preparation for that stress and then you also really have to focus on how you're going to recover from that stress exercise is also a like sympathetic dominant process we know that digestion is a parasympathetic dominant process if you are going to eat immediately before or immediately after your exercise you have to consider the digestibility of what you're eating Things that are easier to digest yeah. would be what? Um, a lot of fruits, starchy carbohydrates, and nothing that's like too high in fiber. Like a kale salad also would probably be pretty heavy in your stomach before you work out. Things that are easy to digest, like eggs, if you want protein. And then after you work out, this is why protein powders are so popular, because they're already like broken down. There's like no... You don't have to cleave a lot of proteins when you're having a protein powder. But even then, I would argue, like, don't immediately get off your workout circuit and then pound a protein shake like maybe catch your breath and let your heart rate come down a little bit first before you throw a completely different stimulus at your body like you can't have parasympathetic and sympathetic at the same time like i mean you can sex is a good example actually but interesting but like very hard to have both of those nervous systems like working full tilt at the same time like i'm a bit of a recovery junkie making sure that if you are doing a workout Afterwards, you have to replenish, but that also means like replenishment and rest. So also making sure that you're like sleeping well, because a lot of the repair of your muscles is going to happen when you're sleeping. And if you're not sleeping well, then that's a huge detriment to the exercise that you're doing. There's no exact formula, right? That this works, this doesn't. And everyone's different. Everyone's lifestyle is different. Everyone's stress level is different. Everyone's digestion is different. That's the hardest thing as a listener to wrap your mind around because it does take some level of understanding of yourself. If you're in a place where you don't know, feel that you're that in tune with yourself, mm-hmm. then it's your job to go learn yeah. and to find people that are going to take you through the steps to do that. The food landscape is confusing. Um, is there, and this is another listener question, but is there a... Um, sort of minimum amount of protein that you suggest per day for someone that's training? Especially if people are doing strength training, if they're eating a diet low in protein, they're going to have a hard time gaining and maintaining muscle mass. I mean, I've seen it in my like vegan and vegetarian personal training clients. I have like client A that, you know, maybe eats like a pretty general diet. They eat some eat protein, maybe they eat legumes, you know, they eat lots of veggies. And then I have a client like client B who is vegan or vegetarian. And I will see like on the trajectory, keeping in mind there are lots of other factors involved like stress, sleep, all those things. But over the course of like maybe six months, you'll see someone who's eating more protein surpass someone who is eating low protein in terms of their strength. Really popular answer is one gram per pound of body mass. So for me, I would have to eat 140 grams of protein in a day. That's high. Yep. But I mean, in like a a well-rounded diet, if I was eating like the standard 40, 30, 30, 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat, 
that's not too far off. Um, if you're going to put any kind of animal protein in your body, it should be from a pretty high quality source. Yeah. And then if you're going to be eating vegetable sources of, of protein, like beans, legumes, making sure that they're, you know, soaked and sprouted to optimize the digestion. Let's say there's somebody that's decided, I want to optimize my nutrition more. I want to do better. I'm, I feel inconsistent. I don't know what to eat when. I feel a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. Where would you advise that they start? If they feel out of control. Yeah, they just don't feel like they have, they're making conscious decisions about what they're eating. It's entirely a product of where they are, what's fast at the time. It's, yes. it's not something that they feel educated about. Step one is always to just first learn what you are eating. What are you putting in your body in a day? Which requires journaling or tracking. So whether you're going to like pen and paper it or you're going to download my fitness pal or you're just going to create a note in your phone, like step one is to like actually just let's start to think about what you are eating so that you know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Cause like maybe it's not as bad as you think or maybe it's worse, but that's true. Put it on paper and all of a sudden there's something in every meal that's standing out as yeah. Oh, yeah. not great. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I do want to say one thing about my fitness pal because I've had weird, a couple of less than optimum experiences with it. When I say to clients, oh, you could just use this app. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the numbers that are in my fitness pal, please. This Uh is literally just a tool because it has an amazing database of food. Yes. And it will um, allow you to just input what you're eating. But please don't start entering your weight, putting in a goal weight, allowing it to tell you how many calories to eat. Because those numbers are completely arbitrary and no. not um, just a, it's for like a you. formula. It'll give you all these notifications to be like, you are over your saturated fat. Right, I know. Day. And don't pay attention to those things I'm either. Like, no, please. Yeah, don't listen to those things. <laughs> yeah. But which it is, is a great could, app. Which like, it's, it's a great, great app. Tool. But I guess that could be hard for some people. The humble pen and paper food journal can be very enlightening for people. First, you have to know where you are and what's happening before you can make changes optimally. True. An added step on top of that is to understand maybe how you're feeling on top of that. How is your energy? How is your sleep? How is your digestion? What do you suggest as far as changing things? What sorts of things are standing out to you? Let's change maybe this and work on that for a month. Generally trying to get people to eat more healthy fats substituting portions of processed carbohydrates or carbohydrates and putting in portions of healthy fats because automatically that's going to help with someone's appetite control fats are very satiating where do we get some more healthy fats to help sort of regulate your energy levels regulate your appetite and then from there usually getting in some more micronutrients so getting in more vitamins and minerals and a lot of those are going to come from vegetables and some fruits Mm -hmm. you know people say i just i have no control over what i'm eating and i argue that it's not that you're lacking in willpower it's actually that you're lacking in proper hormonal regulation that allows your brain to make these educated purposeful mindful choices if you give someone more vitamins and minerals from real food they're going to have more precursors to all of these hormones that make their body kind of tick and work they're like spark plugs for your body I love that this approach that you're that you're talking about is laying out what do you already do and where are the couple places that we can make small changes we're yes. not putting you on this revolutionized completely different you no. have to meal prep things that you've never made before for every mm-hmm. single meal it doesn't start there it's much less overwhelming than that And the changes that you're talking about make real differences, especially when you're dialed in, when you're a little bit tuned in to how you feel afterwards, Mm -hmm. you will notice changes from these little things that you adjust. Absolutely. Yeah. Something that just came to mind too is with a lot of people is actually making sure that they're eating enough. Aha. Great point. Yes. Many (laughs) people live for years and years and years in this like slight caloric deficit If you're always eating or always in this idea that you have to eat just like a little bit less, you're making it really hard. That's like a stress on your body. People think eat less, lose weight. I have very, very many female clients that come in under eating, especially when they have body composition goals. And it is a very difficult 
mental change yep. to ask them to actually start eating more mm-hmm. because that is what's going to serve your body and what's going to allow your training to make a difference. Yeah. It allows your body to work like yes. it's supposed to, which yes. puts you at a body composition that is optimal for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're going to be able to run a little bit faster. You're going to be able to lift a little bit more. And then that's going to get you results right. if you have a body composition right. goal. Like, I don't want to just be skinny. I want to feel strong. Yeah. Like, I don't, want to, I don't want people to focus on what they want to look like or what they want to be. Like, how do you want to feel? Right. Because if you're super skinny and you're in a caloric deficit, you probably don't feel that good. I want to feel like I can think throughout the day. I want to feel strong. I want to feel connected to myself. And I want to feel like I have energy to connect to my peers. And all of that is by making sure that I eat enough food. I've definitely been in both phases of those. Um, I definitely went through a period of time when I did not fuel my body properly. And I was severely under eating. And... Um, my everything was affected my mental clarity my mood the way I could interact with people my ability to enjoy my workout in the gym versus so your body was already stressed and here you are putting another stress on top of it yeah not great not good you can only imagine the the havoc that that wreaked on my hormones too for Mm -hmm. a sustained period of time doing that you know yeah but yeah and then to come to enter a different phase where I am fueling my body properly just the difference that it makes and sleeping a lot more lately Mm -hmm. just the difference that it makes in everything my ability to enjoy life every day and every part of Mm -hmm. my day at the time that I was under eating I didn't even fully realize how crappy I felt like I almost wasn't my brain wasn't letting me Mm -hmm. realize and actually acknowledge like I wasn't really tuned in that's scary very let me ask you a question did you like the way that you looked at this time No, not fully. Okay. But I saw results and I was chasing something. Yeah. But I wasn't confident in my body and I wasn't satisfied about my body and I Mm -hmm. didn't have any sense of empowerment over what it could do and what it could do for me. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a negative relationship with my body. Mm -hmm. My results at this time were being skinny. It wasn't results like I'm making progress and I'm getting stronger in the gym and that feels damn good. No, no, no. It was like quote unquote results of weight loss when I didn't need to be losing any weight. It was definitely a challenging relationship with my body. I I think there are... would never choose to go back to that. Thousands of women chasing a way that they should be and not chasing how they want to feel. Once you let go of that a little bit and find value in yourself in many other things, mm-hmm. it's just amazing how much more confident you can be and how much more you can love yourself yeah. completely removed from anything aesthetic. Yep, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about things outside the gym. I know we've connected on sort of this whole concept of finding balance in life and Mm. figuring out priorities. What's that, what's it been like for you to sort of navigate this quote unquote balance Mm -hmm. in life and finding that? I don't know if I have found balance. I think I've had moments where I, I am doing things well that I want to do. Is that balance? If it's all areas, yeah. I would say yes. That's yeah. a it might not be permanent, yeah. but shit, I mean, who has who yeah. has permanent balance? Yeah. That'd be awesome. But so, I have had temporarily. times temporarily like that. I've also had times where I would say I haven't had quote-unquote balance, but I've also been like thriving in one or two areas of my life. Hmm. So, how do you keep focus on areas that are important to you and dedicating enough energy to all of them the first step is just awareness awareness of like what your priorities are scale of one to ten how important is your relationship scale of one to ten how important is your mental health like maybe you should be writing these down spiritual health your financial well-being your physical well-being your sex life you know your career aspirations your family life rate those all on a scale of one to ten like which one's the lowest I think it would be an amazing exercise to do that so write down all of the things that are important to you in your life and then rate them on a scale of one to ten yeah and then break down your time yeah look I mean of course you know of course we have to work so you know but 
when you have time that you are choosing what to do with it, mm-hmm. where is it going? And what's that breakdown like? I'm a high achiever. I, I'm used to, whether it's school or work, I'm used to doing those things very well and caring about them a lot. Yes. And therefore putting a lot of time into them. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to rate on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is my marriage and my relationship to me? Importance, it's a 10. It would be a 10. Is that reflected in the way I'm choosing to spend my time when I get home? What are the things that are lower? Because I'm sure there would be other things on that list that aren't a 10. And where can I make adjustments? Mm -hmm. A lot of hours in a day, a lot of ways you can spend your time. So simple exercise. I've been thinking a lot about this. My mental health was really low on that scale. I mean, that like highlighted a huge area that I needed to like make an adjustment. Um, But then in like job satisfaction, I was still rating like my enjoyment of what I was doing was still like a nine out of 10, but obviously it wasn't serving other areas of my life. So that's when like you, to find balance, I guess you have to make change. I don't know, I feel very balanced right now in my life. That's awesome. But I would say I've done a lot to improve those like areas that I rated lower. That's awesome. Yeah. I had this huge imposter syndrome thing starting in January where I was like, I don't know if I like deserve this to not feel like I was an imposter. I was like, look at all these things I've done. I've got to work with amazing health professionals, amazing people in the fitness community. Like Catherine, you got to get out of your like stupid rut that you're in and like realize that you like know what you're talking about and you are good at what you do. So if anyone else is out there because feeling you are. like an imposter in their own life, like snap out of it. Imposter syndrome, that's a thing. That concept of not feeling that you deserve, that you are the reason why these good things have happened to you. Yeah. When really there's nobody else to thank except for yourself. No, you're the one who pursued opportunities, made connections, you know, made changes. No one else did those things for you. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with where you are now? I'm satisfied. I'm very satisfied with where I am now. Good. And I think when it's time for me to do more, I will know what that is. But I'm going to try and think long and hard about what's next. Picking up something else, what am I taking time away from? We only have so many hours in the day. And so much energy to give as well. Mm -hmm. You used to say that you wanted to be well-traveled geographically. That view has shifted a little bit. Yeah. So we did a, a semi-private team session with an intuitive healer. So I think her energy in that moment and like the energy of that room, my thought had been, I was like, oh, I want to travel. And I have this like obsession with like wanting to travel more around the world. But then when we were sitting there, what came out of my mouth was that I wanted to be well-traveled on an emotional, psychological, intellectual level. Suddenly I had this like moment where I was like, I don't need to travel the world. I need to figure my shit out first. (laughs) It's almost like there was this deeper subconscious something happening in you that was yearning for this. It's just your conscious mind hadn't realized that that's what you meant. Yeah. But it's important to have those moments and it's important to be okay with those moments. Give yourself time to process. And I think that everyone has work to do in self-development and knowing more about yourself and where your ideas come from and where your thoughts come from. I think all of this takes space and it takes time Mm -hmm. and if you're constantly go 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 treading water in whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're doing in life and Mm -hmm. constantly moving right to the next thing and you don't give yourself space to even think about those thoughts yeah you'll never really realize what it is that you need yeah or what you want or what it what change needs to happen yeah i think it's amazing that you've gone on this journey for yourself so far yeah I have a couple of other listener questions. Sure. What are your feelings on the keto diet? Keto is short for ketogenic, where your body is in a state of ketosis. It's actually burning something called a ketone for energy as opposed to a fat or a carbohydrate. A ketone body is like a byproduct of uh, fat metabolism. A lot of people say that they're doing keto But what they're really doing is eating a high fat diet because ketosis actually would require you to monitor your blood ketones. You would actually have to prick your finger every single day and with a glucometer, um, you would have to measure your blood level of ketones. And I think the the level is if you're anywhere from like 0.3 and above, then you're in ketosis. But if you're below a a blood ketone level, then you're not in ketosis. 
keto is really popular because there's a lot of success stories out there for rapid weight loss. What does it look like to eat keto? It's a high fat diet. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's high protein, but then it's also very low carb, depending on your body weight. This is also the thing. If you're going to really do a ketogenic diet, you would also have to have some concept of the grams of carbohydrate you were getting in a day. Mm-hmm. And the timing of the carbohydrate probably too. Like if you did it all in one bout, would that make a difference or it no? It could push you out of ketosis, right. I suppose. Yeah, generally people eating, I don't want to give like too many numbers, but somewhere under 50 grams of carbs a day, depending on the person, um, maybe as low as like 20 grams of carbs. Which, which is, is so low. Extremely low. Nothing. Yeah. But if your body is efficient at burning fats and ketones for energy, then you might feel fine. You might feel well. Is keto good? I think it's great for some people. You know, it's a really well-researched diet. It's actually a therapeutic diet that's been used for decades to treat conditions such as epilepsy um, or seizure disorders. For the general population, any popular diet you can do poorly so you could eat a ketogenic diet and be eating like cracker barrel cheese fatty cuts of poor quality meat and is that serving your body definitely not you're not getting any micronutrients the the building blocks that you're putting in your body are garbage but you could do it really well too if you're eating good sources of healthy fat like fattier cuts of healthy meat and you could see great results I mean, I have, I have no polarized views about any type of diet. Whoever is out there wanting to try something new, I think they should. I think that if you don't experiment with your diet, you'll never know the way to feel your best. And I think that if you don't experiment with your diet, then you don't learn enough about your food. So say you're like, I'm gonna do keto. You have to go out there and you have to learn what healthy sources of fat are so that you can make sure you're eating enough fat to actually be in ketosis. You have to learn which fruits and vegetables would actually suit a keto diet and in what quantity so that you're in ketosis. You gain a much deeper understanding of what is going in your body when you try to manipulate it in some way. Yeah. Right. I think that lots of people would benefit from a higher fat diet. Some people don't. Some people don't digest fats well, and that's just like a a bio-individual thing. But I think a lot of people do well when they start to include healthier fats. Yeah. I think you people that are in ketosis, they eat a lot of dairy. Yeah. So if you don't eat dairy, your ketogenic diet would be like a lot of avocado and healthy oils and coconut because you can't just eat butter and cream cheese and sour cream it's hard to get variety though too just in general yeah if you're on a ketogenic diet for sure it would get very monotonous yeah for some so i mean yeah and that goes to then perhaps creating nutrient deficiencies what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning you can't say coffee okay um that's part of it because that is part of it but um (laughs) how do you make your coffee Right now, I... Like, what do you do? Do you do espresso or drip or I do French press it? Well, What's your method? I have a feeling this is going to be a whole thing. No, yeah. no, it's like not too intense. <laughs> but I hand grind the beans fresh. Every day? Yeah. Like your one little portion you hand grind? Hand grind. Okay. Um, what beans do you I use? I used to say that it was therapeutic, but as of late, I would classify it as annoying. Okay. Because it takes long. <laughs> I fresh grind the beans the night before in the hand grinder, so still slow. Okay. Always organic coffee beans, and I like a dark roast, usually, mm-hmm. like as dark as it'll come. So fresh ground coffee, and then I've been doing pour over for the last like six months, pour over coffee. I find it super clean, like a bodum, like a French press, I find there's like too much residue. I don't know the difference between a pour over and a French press. French press is like with the little mesh thing that you like push down. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, that's a French press. Uh-huh. And then pour over is like a, a little, like a Chemex almost would be like a pour over. Mm-hmm. A little filter, but you slowly pour the water over the, the grind. Give it like a little stir to get that like crema and get all the coffee beans to bloom. Um, but I find it like a really clean tasting coffee and not bitter. Yeah. Okay, back to the original question. <laughs> uh, back to the original question. What gets me excited to get out of bed every day? Okay, I'm so super proud of myself because for the last like month, I've had this killer morning routine. So I get up, boil the kettle, like get the coffee going, 
uh, like get myself organized for the day a little bit. And then I do 15 minutes of stretching. Oh, lovely. So I've used this app forever, but I like go in spurts where I use it more often. So it's the Down Dog app. Everyone should have it. It's a yoga app. Different lengths of sequences, anywhere from like eight minutes to 60 minutes. You can like set focuses. It could be like hip opening. They like killer music. Is it all free? Because I tried it. There is a paid version. And then it said, oh, you have one more session and then you have to pay. (gasps) Maybe I've had it for so long now that I got like a free version. You got grandfathered in or something? I think you might have. Damn. Because it was trying to get me to pay a yearly something and it wasn't insignificant like it actually made me not do it to buy the full version is like 50 bucks Hmm. damn okay well try it out it might be like the mind headspace app that one also now if you download it now it gives you like a seven days of free meditation and then it takes it away all these things that are becoming popular they're starting to make you pay for subscriptions yeah so glad you got in early on i do this little 15 minute i usually select the restorative which i think people associate with going to bed but it's really just stretches and then i journal so i challenged my husband and my friend laura to a 30-day journaling challenge where for accountability, we have to take a picture of what we journaled and send it to each other. Cool. It leaves me feeling like even if the rest of the day goes to shit, I did like two things that were so good for me. Yeah. So that gets me excited to get out of bed. On top of that, I love connecting with people. I like thrive on those moments where you like have a conversation or even like a, you know, like a hug or like a touch or something with someone and you like know that you've helped them or said something that was helpful or meaningful like those little little nuggets of time my like life's purpose is to help people which is like so cliche but it's true you can tell i can see it in you Hmm. how do you help yourself feel better when you're not at your best exercise always makes me feel better always 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 a good workout is like the best medicine a good workout is powerful yeah absolutely yeah, your brain is just so much more powerful after you've exercised. So like whether you're feeling down or sad, if you can like find a way to get yourself to move, it doesn't have to be like a gym, but even if you like do a little bit of stretching or yoga, guarantee it will always make you feel better. If people are interested in connecting with you mm-hmm. and learning more from you, I know at the moment you mm-hmm. step back from taking nutrition clients, but how could they go about doing that? Probably the best way is just to reach out to me on social media, Catherine underscore Joyce. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited for this podcast journey that you're going on. Mm-hmm. I hope that this is like a highlight of your week every week that you do these. Already, absolutely. I hope you learn so much about yourself and about others. And I'm so excited for you to share all of this learning with other people. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've I've already learned so much from you. And this this has been wonderful. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of How Do You Feel? As a reminder, we release weekly episodes. So be on the lookout for a new episode every Monday. If you want to stay up to date on all the latest information, you can follow along on Instagram at How Do You Feel Podcast, or you can follow along with my personal account at KCMZav. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us as a new podcast. It really does go a long way. Thanks again, everybody. Make sure you go out there and do something to make yourself feel good today. Bye.